I'm Emma Kappa, Howden Employee Benefits and Wellbeing's UK Wellbeing Leader. In this episode, we're focusing on supporting women's health in the workplace, including what men can do to help and how to normalise the conversation. I'm joined by Leo Savage, Global Wellbeing Consultant from Howden Employee Benefits and Wellbeing. Our benefits design research with Reba suggested that 88% of employers are looking to provide menopause support and include women's health issues within their employee benefits strategy. To set themselves apart from their competitors, employers are looking to personalise benefits and offer gender-related healthcare benefits. More than ever, employees are expecting treatment quicker and celebrities such as Stravina McCall are normalising speaking about women-related health issues. We recognise that men and women's health needs differ and there are some conditions and diseases which are more prevalent depending on their cisgender. This is the gender that individuals were assigned at birth. It is these conditions affecting women that we'll be focusing on today. Women make up around half the world's population, so it's no surprise that women's health is and should be a high priority in any employer's wellbeing policy. As you can imagine, it's a vast area, but we're going to talk to you today about periods, fertility, the menopause and female-specific cancers. We'll talk to you about common symptoms and what you as a business can do to support. We'll also touch on what men can do specifically to help and how together we can break down barriers to talking about this. Leo, from your experience, what can businesses do to support their female employees here? Hi, Emma. Thanks for having me. And I think it's a great topic we're talking about today and I think it's really important. I think as ever when employers are looking at improving the way they communicate about issues and improving the um, the awareness of, of certain topics in the workplace, we need to look at how they're communicating those issues and how easy it is to access the information. More than ever, I think meeting people where they're at and understanding their needs, listening to them, knowing what their employees are looking for in their health and, and knowing what issues that they're, they're currently going through is only going to make the support more relevant um, that they're receiving. Just moving back to that communication piece, I think the number one way to increase engagement of, of any kind of incentive or any kind of support is by whether it's emails or mail shots or workplace or po- even posters going back to the basics, anything that can um, increase your awareness and, and make it easier for people to see in their day to day what they're potentially going through and and where the support is it it will make it a lot more accessible for them to to receive the help it's something that is done really well here at howden i know that and we've got digital screens throughout the whole office and even in the toilets men's and women's and even the disabled toilets it's always posted around the coming days uh, whether it's the well-being day or the mental health days or world menopause days those kind of things there's there's always awareness which is really accessible for us we're always made to know what benefits are available and what free accessible support there is for us. So when people are at work, there's always an intention to be able to to focus on your job and and be as productive as possible. But undoubtedly, there's going to be personal issues or or challenges that you might be experiencing that that can take that focus away. So I think when we're looking at communications and, and we're looking at making information as accessible as possible, as an employer, we need to look at how can we make that as easy as possible without any friction and without employees having to search and, and kind of look for the information that they need? It needs to be right in front of them and it needs to be something that doesn't take a long time to, to look into, and but also doesn't take a long time to, to access if they need the support that's, that's available for them. So I know I've touched a lot about uh, awareness and and communications and making things a lot more accessible. And I know one direct way for employees to do that is the closest point of contact in the workplace, which is typically line managers and and people that are working above them. I know you've got a lot of experience in that that area, Emma. So it'd be great to hear your thoughts on, on, on what you think about that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've been a line manager for probably as long as I can remember. So from when it comes to line manager training, I think you cannot underestimate the importance of line managers and the role that they play in working with the employees that they support and the wider business as well. They're best placed in most cases to kind of offer that direct one-on-one support to those individuals that report to them, but also support the wider business goals and how to drive things forward. So Absolutely, investing in line manager training should be on the you know very near the top of everyone's well-being agenda, and making sure that they have the skills and the knowledge of how to not only deal with conversations but where to signpost people to as well. That's always a common theme that comes up when I'm in conversations with clients, and I guess it's the same for you as well. Yeah. That they're always kind of how can we make things easier? How do we help our people? And a lot of that starts and stops with a line manager. Yeah, and I think uh, just touching on that point, whether it's, I don't know, societies or, or newsletters or just various different groups that the that line managers or even employees can kind of group people towards, so anything that makes it easier to have the conversation between individuals. And um, I think it's important to say also that not everyone's going to be in the position or want to feel comfortable about talking around their health issues or anything that's happening to them in the workplace. And that's absolutely fine. They need to just be made aware of, of the support that's available and, and not feel forced or pressured at all to, to open up. It's, it's definitely a choice and not something that's compulsory in the workplace. Absolutely. Um, and that's just something that, that I thought was uh, important to state, but there's never a, an obligation. It's always just a, an opportunity. And I think if, if managers or, or just employees or businesses as a whole can create opportunities for people to receive support, that's all it is, just opportunities to receive support, then their job is almost done it's not completely done because there's, there's other things that they need to do but um, you're creating a culture and you're creating a workplace that that enables people to to, to take care of themselves and, and make positive steps towards their health as opposed to um, creating a culture of forcing people to open up and, and address things they don't want to in the workplace it's creating a safe space isn't it a yeah. place where people feel comfortable to share or not to share depending on what their experience is and what they do or don't want to discuss yeah absolutely and i think um there's, there's been cases here i know um in in howden where you do have cases where people are willing to, to share their experiences within various different issues or challenges that they've experienced in their personal life and although that might not force people to open up or in this case, uh, whether it's uh, women going through the menopause or um, fertility issues or um, ovarian cancer or, or the, the different kind of challenges they might experience. If you have individuals that are comfortable to talk about those those things and their, their experience within them and what they're going through or what they have gone through or even talking about your experiences as a partner to someone going through that, I think that definitely leaves people in that room or hearing that conversation with a sense of a bit more of a sense of um, awareness and maybe a bit more comfortable to speak about that with their friends or colleagues, um, not inside the workplace, or maybe uh, over a drink after work or, or in a social situation. Absolutely. So I know we've touched a lot on the ways that employers can support people and um, the best ways to do that, whether it's through line management or communications or um, groups and societies. But it'll be great to give the listeners a bit more of an overview of women's health conditions and how prevalent they actually are in the workplace and in the UK as a whole. Absolutely. So let's start with periods. So the average monthly cycle, as I'm sure all of the female listeners listening will understand, is around 28 days. Most women experience periods from around 12 to 45 to 55 years old. The actual average age for women in the UK to reach the menopause is 51. When it comes to practical tips, offering sanitary products in the bathroom, 
sanitary bins in every cubicle, breakout areas where people can go if they need to and if they just need to have a bit of a break or a stretch out. And working from home and offering that flexibility is a great idea and something that's relatively easy for the majority of businesses to put in place. And I know that's the first point or the first condition that we're talking about, but I think um, from a male perspective, it's really interesting because those practical tips that you've just said aren't necessarily at the forefront of our minds. And um, even with the sanitary products in the bathrooms and the bins in every cubicle, it's not something that we think about. We're not necessarily in tune with a, a 28 day cycle that we're thinking about every single month. And we're not thinking around where we're going to put these products. And, and typically periods are private issues and, and they're kept very personal and people don't want to state when they're on them or, or make it known that I'm on my period or, or something's happening down there. So from a male perspective, I think it definitely is around not necessarily having the conversation because you don't want to just go around asking people if they're on their periods, being aware and cognizant of the, the support that, that women might need during certain conditions and, and even as simple as if you're a man and um, you are in a relationship with a woman and having that conversation around the, the issues or, or challenges that they might have around their period or um, around that time of the month, then I think anything that can then help increase the education around that, that, that point can cross over into the workplace and, and you can sympathize better with colleagues if, if that's the case. Absolutely. It's about normalizing the conversation if there's a conversation to be had. Obviously, some people don't experience any symptoms at all and would never have an issue that they need to talk about, but some will. And I think it's about making sure that everybody's comfortable that if that need arises, that they are able to listen and kind of take the relevant next step. So menopause. Again, like periods, all women will go through it. Interestingly, the menopause actually refers to a single point when a woman hasn't had a period in 12 months. Thanks to increased global awareness through World Menopause Day and several high-profile celebrities talking very candidly about this topic, conversations around this are becoming more and more normalised. However, there's certainly more that businesses and line managers can do here to support all women. The symptoms can be seriously debilitating and can make it almost impossible to function in the workplace. For example, lack of sleep, brain fog, cognitive issues, anxiety, mood swings and hot flushes. This is going to happen to all women and we want to explore what businesses can do here. I read a statistic earlier where one million women have left the workplace due to menopause symptoms. We obviously don't want to lose these women from the workplace. So Leah, have you got any suggestions for the listeners today on what they can do? Well, yeah, for, for everyone listening and, and especially those people leaders and the, and the HR leaders in organisations, because we are getting more and more requests around how we can address menopause in the workplace, how we can um, support the women's needs and and what, what employers can do to, to help um, their people. And I think there's varying different ways that that's being implemented, whether it's paid leave or looking at flexible working or, or even working in cooler parts of the office and supporting with appointments being made. There's there's always steps to be made. And I think the, the most important thing when it comes to employees intervening and supporting is just listening to the employees firstly, and then supporting in a way that's relevant to them, as opposed to just thinking the world is doing this to address menopause, let's do it too. I think listening to the employees and then understanding what would help them the most and what issues they're facing that, that can be realistically helped. Because obviously we can't, as an employee, you can't do absolutely everything for everyone, but you can do things that, that, that can make people's lives easier. 
Absolutely. And keeping it on the agenda as well. It's not something that you can do once and then you don't need to repeat again. It's something that the women that are approaching menopausal ages changes every year. It needs to stay on the agenda and be a big focus of any workplace wellbeing strategy. Absolutely. So fertility. Obviously, this doesn't just affect women, but today we're going to focus on the impact on them. An estimated 3.5 million people experience fertility issues and the difficulties that some women face around conceiving, fertility treatment, IVF, adoption and all the associated symptoms and stresses can be very debilitating. The psychological impact of this is enormous and an impact on performance in the workplace is inevitable. Is there anything that you, Leo, can think of to support businesses here that they can do? I think it's in, I know we're talking around women's health and, and, and isolating the issue towards that. I think given the topic of fertility and, and how that addresses a couple typically, I think when we're looking at support mechanisms and, and the stresses that people are faced under, whether it's anxiety or, or lack of sleep or, or varying different psychological issues, we can look at um, not only looking at the person who is um, physically going through the changes and and the the challenges with their body, but looking at their partner and and ways that we can offer, uh, whether it's partnership counselling or addressing appointments needing to be made or even signposting to support that is available to them. Anything that that can look at halving the burden as opposed to allowing one person to to kind of deal with it themselves. Yeah, that's a really good point because it isn't just going to be women that need to attend those appointments. They'll obviously want the support of their partner there as well. So I think it's really important for businesses to recognise that and to Most maybe definitely. make that part of a leave policy or something like that to kind of allow that sort of flexibility. Exactly. So there's three more common female cancers, breast cancer, cervical cancer and ovarian cancer. So according to the NHS, breast cancer is the most common type of cancer in the UK. The most common most women diagnosed are over 50 and around one in eight women are diagnosed during their lifetime. If detected early, breast cancer has a good survival rate. So it's really important that women are checking their breasts for lumps, changes, swelling or rashes. Breast Cancer Awareness Month is in October and the more things that businesses can do to remind people of that, the better. Leo, can you think of anything that might be useful for businesses to put in place around that? Well, I think because it's such a widespread issue and, and it affects so many people, I think just the awareness piece is, is huge here with the cancers and just making sure that we're always talking about it. We're always making it present within the office and, and within the workplace, whether that's online, through workplace groups, um, through email, through teams, or even offline in posters, like we were saying earlier, uh, in the toilets, in the kitchen, through the digital forms on the TV, just always in a normalized way not in your face but making sure that people are aware that they know what the issues are so they understand the, the the symptoms and what happens to their body during the whether it's breast cancer cervical cancer or ovarian cancer um, and knowing what support is in place from their employer to them as an employee definitely and I think it's things like, so with cervical cancer, for example, I've seen signs in, in offices around, um, don't forget to attend your, your screening and your smear test. And it's just, you know, it's, it's the reminder at the right time that sticks with people and will prevent people from becoming seriously unwell and catching things early. So Leo, what's the impact on women's health from a global perspective? Are the challenges still the same? Interesting because uh, challenges, to, it's interesting because the challenges as individuals uh, for women that they're going to go through across the globe are quite consistent in terms of the challenges that they'll go through. But from an employer's perspective with a global footprint, that's where the challenge comes in when you have various different offices in, in different locations. 
if you have one central well-being program or one policy towards women's health, you can't assume that that information is going to be received in the same way, let's say, in one part of the world to the other. And, and that's where you really need to work with your advisors or you really need to have a sit down and, and have a, a strategic approach to what information you're going to deliver, what mechanism you're going to deliver it in, in different locations. That in itself will increase the uptake and will increase the, the, the relevancy to, to whatever individual in whatever part of the world they're in. Not only that, but the statutory and core benefits that are on offer to, to employees varies a lot from country to country. So the support that is readily available for employees from an office perspective in one part of the world is going to differ hugely in another. So that in itself makes it necessary for employers to really pay attention to how they're delivering certain messages, what messages they're trying to portray and the objectives they have from there. That would probably be the main, the main challenges from an employee's perspective I would look at from an advisory standpoint. So what would be your takeaways from today, Leo? Probably listening back to this conversation, the two main points that I would stick out for myself are the communications and creating opportunities for people to engage in, but not forcing them to. So when I say communications, I mean whatever channels you use as a business to spread messages. So whether it's emails or workplace or anything online or if it's offline if everyone's back in the office whatever works for your employees i think making that as consistent as possible shows a level of commitment to employees to whatever messaging you're trying to get across and then creating opportunities doesn't force people to engage in those opportunities but it lets them know that if they're willing to and if they're comfortable to and they feel safe to then they can engage in whatever that is, whether it's support groups or manager one-to-ones or access to certain support and, and information. Those would be my two key takeaways. What about you? So I would say for businesses listening to go away and to review your leave policies. It's not enough just to have a leave policy around specific areas, for example, fertility. It has to be a part of your culture and people need to be aware of it. You can't hide it on the internet. You need to make it front and center and you need to live and breathe it every day. This is one of the most important points that you should take away from this session. Another one would be in terms of looking at your leave policy, what should it include? So a good policy should include advice and signposting, wellbeing support, possibly diagnostic support and treatment and details on the cost to the employee. Or in some cases, some businesses may be willing to either fund the treatment themselves or to look at the insurances that are available. When looking at your benefits, it's important to look at not just the insurance that you've taken out, but also the added value benefits that those policies provide. For example, have you got access to an employee assistance program that may provide someone with some light touch support from a psychological point of view embedded with one of your insurances? Do you offer wellbeing days? Can you consider this as a business? That would be quite an effective tool for individuals suffering from any of the conditions that we've spoken about today or any of the others, because it would give people that flexibility to be able to take some time off if they need to without going into too much detail about what the reason of it is or the rationale behind that day. They can take it as a wellbeing day and get the time and the space that they might need. Thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like any further advice or support whilst navigating this in the workplace, please reach out or review our Women's Health Guide. Let's normalise the conversation together and review those leave policies. Thanks Leo for your time and coming along to talk with me today about the topic. We hope you've enjoyed the content covered in this episode. If you've got any questions or would like to learn more about what's been covered, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us or contact us through LinkedIn. LinkedIn.